Did you know that people are buying and selling meetings with large pension funds and investment consultants for cash? I talk about this with William Battersby of Asset Dynamics. In this chat, we speak about setting up meetings that are meaningful and the whole industry around getting them. Stay tuned. This is going to be a good one. Hi there, I'm Baldwin Burgess and welcome to another episode of BD Insider, exploring the cutting edge of business development and finance. Let's get started with the podcast. Good morning, William. How are you? Hi, I'm fine, Baldwin. Good, good stuff. Thanks for talking to me. How are you? I'm very good. Thanks. Uh, yeah, thanks for being on this podcast. Um, William Battersby. Uh, is an expert in asset management, business development. Uh, you have quite some experience behind you, don't you? Well, I've spent longer than I would like to mention, really, over 20 years um, working for asset managers in a different capacity, in different capacities, uh, helping them to win sales from big investors, big pension funds around the UK and Europe, and also winning the approval of big consultants and multi-managers. Okay. Yeah, I've done that both for uh, uh, in-house and as an outsource. Yeah, you have you have quite an interesting uh, trajectory behind you. Um, uh, you set up Asset Dynamics uh, essentially to help um, investment managers raise capital. And what you're putting to work here is not only, I guess, the Rolodex you've built over all these years, but also your experience as you were at IMS Market Access, you were at BNY Mellon Asset Management, you were at uh, Julius Baer, uh, Royal Sun Alliance. This just goes on and on. It's amazing. And I, from from the looks of it, when did you start uh, in this industry, William? Okay, well, I started in this industry in 1990, 23 years ago, working for Dimensional, which is a passive quantitative small cap manager. Hmm. And since then, as you say, I've worked for, for a number of uh, asset managers. You're also a very good writer. I, I always, I, jo I don't... Uh, um, know you that long as a writer, but since I've discovered you recently, I, I quite enjoy your pieces. You have a good hand when it comes to writing. Well, it's nice of you to say that. Nice of you to say that. I find writing comes very easily to me. And in fact, in my, in my spare time, I have a hobby as a, as a archaeological researcher and writer. And I've written a, a biography and four academic papers in that field. Now, that's nothing whatsoever to do with asset management. But the concept of original research and then setting your ideas out on paper for the general public is something that's pretty useful when you're working in asset management. Yes, I, I agree. A full life. So and what we're going to talk about today is an article you recently wrote. It, I thought it was very interesting. Uh, it's about getting meetings. But um, why don't you kick it off and then tell us what this is all about? Yeah, well, this is an interesting story, actually, or an interesting uh, concept, perhaps I should say. Because um, you, you asked me at the beginning, you said, uh, you said I have a Rolodex and I have uh, expertise in helping managers raise assets. The interesting thing is that you, like everyone else, we focus on the Rolodex, we focus on the contacts, and we see this very much as, a, as an exercise in getting in front of consultants, advisors, and pension funds and delivering our presentation to them. And there's no getting away from it. That is the core of how the business works because people buy people and this is how we explain to the investors who we are and what we are what we have to offer them but the thing that's neglected is actually the 
expertise side of things. And that's really why we set this business up. Um, I was at a conference last week and I, I met some uh, significant fund selectors and consultants. And I mentioned to them something which I've been aware of for some time, which is that there are people out there who will pay money. There is a, there is a market, if you like, there is a cash price for people who can arrange meetings with pension funds, investment investment consultants and selectors. There's a market for this. So so some of the meetings you that take place are actually bought. Is that what you're saying? Effectively, that's what can happen. Um, I've been aware of this for a while because I've been aware of people who ask if we will operate on that basis and we don't. Mm. And I've been aware of people who are willing to buy meetings. Um, Incredible. It, it, it seems surprising. I mean, I'm not suggesting there's anything wrong with it. I'm not suggesting there's anything illegal or immoral or non-compliant. The thing is that the people who are at the receiving end of this aren't necessarily aware that the meeting has effectively been bought. Mm. Um, and that may influence, that if they knew that, that might influence whether they'd want to see these people in the first place. Yeah, and but, you know, in, in my mind, I mean... Uh, I, to, to me, this this is this is absurd because, uh, and I'm I'm trying to figure out here why this works like this. Is it because we're accounting for performance in a way that just doesn't fit uh, today's market anymore? I we used to, I mean, you, you know, the good old salesman trick is like you get X amount of meetings and it funnels through to uh, X amount of opportunities, which funnels through to a smaller amount of. Uh, of closings, you know, are we stuck in a mentality and trying to put that to work in a in an, in an age where information is abundant and, and and clients know more than they ever did before? What's your take well, on that? I think that I think you've you've put your finger on one of the key lessons of this, which is that a lot of the uh, the way that people approach asset gathering is very very old-fashioned selling and marketing. It's something that simply doesn't happen any longer in other businesses. Right. And you're right. We know that the personal personal credibility, the personal relationship is key in selecting an asset manager in, in, um, in winning an investment mandate. But, but really, you should be doing that much more on the basis of, of, of people believing that the asset manager has something better to offer them. Uh, mm. And you're absolutely right. The focus on, on simply the number of meetings, I think, distorts people's marketing spend, distorts people's marketing message. When you talk to the pension funds and the consultants at the other end of this, they're just uh, bemused by the number of people who want to see them. Um, mm. And it gives a very bad impression. Um, we've t- talked to several pension funds specifically about this issue, and several of them have said, yeah, we, we do get the suspicion that once people have met us, they're not very interested in pursuing the relationship. <laughs> well, and so the pension funds are telling you that they would... actually. Yeah. So the pension funds are telling you they would yeah. love it if, if, if salespeople would act more like salespeople instead of just doing the round. Well, exactly. It's a subtle and a sophisticated business that we're in. Right. And just banging on about your performance and your, and your process is, is not very helpful. These right. People would much rather have fewer sales calls, but they would like them from people who really understand what they need and who've got a better product, which they can match to them. And simply focusing on the number of meetings that you can hold mm-hmm. won't do that. It's death by PowerPoint. Amazing. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm guilty of this. Well, let's go four years back. I'm, I'm, I'm as guilty as anybody else of this uh, thinking, the numbers game, right? But then, you well, know... We're all, we're it, all guilty of it. People measure you, people 
need numbers to measure you by. You know, if you're a salesman and you're sitting in the office all day twiddling your thumbs and playing, playing um, uh, what's it? Um, angry birds or whatever. <laughs> yeah, angry birds. Let's say angry birds. If you're sitting in your office playing angry birds all day, you're obviously not being a salesman. Salesmen have to be out holding meetings with people, um, you know, articulating what it is they're good at and, and moving towards closing closing deals. You won't do that sitting sitting playing angry birds, as you say. But on the other hand, holding meetings for their own sake is almost as pointless as playing Angry Birds. Mm. Um, you, you know, I, I did some some sort of metrics in the in the article. Um, it's fairly common sort of uh, idea that if you hold ten meetings, you will find one person, you'll get one one sniff of business, shall we say? Right. And that's great. Um, you know, we can arrange ten meetings. Anyone can arrange ten meetings given time. But the problem is, what impression do you leave on the nine people who you see who you fail to persuade? Um, it would be a lot more sensible if people started to look at what their overall hit rate is, what the effectiveness of their selling message is, rather than simply how loud it is. Mm. But I guess, yeah, the thing is, I guess when you're seeing most of this happening in the large companies, because... I, so I, I admittedly also used to work like this. I used to run a numbers game uh, and, and until we set up this investment boutique that I'm part of now. And, you know, th there's no um, pretending yeah. in a boutique, right? right well, <laughs> you pay the bills or you don't. I'm not, I'm not, yeah, no, exactly. No, I'm not, I'm not suggesting for a minute I'm not guilty of, of, of having thought this way. Mm. Uh, in the past, uh, we all have. It's how the business operated and it's how yeah. it largely yeah. operates. But no, this does not just affect the large companies. Uh, sorry, the, the, the large companies. Really? Look at it this way. The small companies tend to use a placement approach. They will buy a placement agent or they, they will pay placement agents um, or pay them through uh, success fees. Now, the way that you measure the success of a placement agent is, how many meetings are you going to get me? That's the first question anyone asks, yeah. and that's the metric they look at. And it's at that end of the market that this concept of a, a cash price for meetings has taken hold. Now, at the large end of the market, we have some very, well, some very big asset managers with very large, well-resourced uh, business development teams. Now, they, they would certainly argue that they are not paying for meetings. But what they often do is set performance, short-term performance metrics for mm. their sales stuff based around the number of meetings you hold. And we've found, lo and behold, if you take the typical key performance indicators for an institutional sales guy and look at the salary, divide the one by the other, you arrive at a number which is surprisingly close to the cash price we're aware of for organizing a meeting. Okay, I see. So yeah. It's done in a different way, but you can't get away from the fact that the market will price a meeting with a pension fund, a consultant, or a fund selector, and half the time, the recipients of these meetings, they know that they're hot property because everybody wants to call them, everyone wants to speak to them, but they don't realize that it's quite financially driven by incentives to the salespeople. Mm. Yeah, you know what, it's, uh, if, you're right, if, uh, if you measure you the know, wrong metrics, you, you, if you measure the wrong metrics, yeah. you tend to get the wrong results, right? And and I mean, I've I remember well, in my exactly. days. You... Sorry. <laughs> yeah, in my days in the big companies, is uh, I've I've actually seen KPIs where the actual business part, like the, the bottom line equation at the end of your year, was as low as a third, and all the rest was just you know the antics and the performance and all the moves. 
because you know it wasn't always your fault that funds were underperforming all this and that. But it, it, it's actually crazy if you think about how distant some of these, uh, the you know, the commercial operations are from the bottom line. It's uh, it, it, I, it's amazing. It's, I'm glad you brought up this KPI thing because it's something that I <laughs> have a very strong opinion about. <laughs> well, sure. I mean, as, as I say, I want to I want to stress really, really clearly that we're not saying there's anything wrong with this. We're not saying it's unethical. It's not pay to play. Um, we just think that it's it's a trend which has gone way too far, and it's pointless. Mm. Um, what it's doing is masking the fact that a huge number of investment managers and smaller ones, hedge funds, specialists, um, are putting a lot of effort into holding meetings without having a clue who they're meeting or what it is that they have that might be of value to the people they're meeting. They're using the sales meetings as, as a form of product development. What they should be doing is sitting back, making sure they've got a better mousetrap before they go into the, go into the market. And the other point is, mm -hmm. and, and you'll be um, you know, keen, keen to hear me say this, but it's also true, we're moving into a world where buyers don't respond very well to a cold sales call. I mean, I get dozens of cold emails, cold calls every day. I don't respond to them. All I do is I put them on my um, spam I, I, list. I delete. Yeah. yeah, I put them on my spam list, so I don't hear from them again. So that that sales activity is actually starting to work in reverse. Um, we live in a world where buyers buyers want to find out about what about their potential suppliers. They want to research them. They use the web. A third of them, if they're under forty are getting married to people they've met through the web. So mm. they're perfectly used to taking serious decisions on the web. They don't, they're not sitting there waiting for a salesman to call. They'll respond to a sales call if they think that you're someone who's worth listening to, but they, they won't respond to a hard sell anymore. Yeah. And this is another thing that's going on in the market. There's a lot of salespeople here who are working harder and harder and harder to try to fulfill their KPIs and getting less and less success. Mm -hmm. And that's a result of poor marketing strategy, poor product strategy, poor sales strategy. And that's, um, I wouldn't say that's why we set this business up, but that's the key thing that we believe we offer over placement agents and in-house outfits, that we can, we can help people align themselves better with the ultimate needs of the customers. That's what selling should be. It looks like, yeah, it looks like uh, you've, you've understood this very well because asset dynamics, uh, apart from helping people convert uh, leads into business. You also offer a, a content marketing approach, right? You you effectively help people tell their story in writing and online, make it easy for them to be found. So I think it's a very smart well, approach that you're that you're playing the um, those two disciplines. Well, I, I hope you're right. Yeah. I hope you're right. We, well, we think it's the only way to go, and and this is something that has significantly changed during the two years we've been in business. Hmm. Two years ago, a direct, uh, um, uh, a straightforward direct sales approach worked a lot better. Hmm. Yeah. Two years ago, it was a much more logical thing to do. Um, yes. the, the, the sheer volume of direct sales and cold emails that's going out now to the big, big buyers is, is shutting that channel down. So it, it's not like people have got a choice. Uh, they have to adapt to a world where the buyer is in control of the relationship rather than the seller. Mm. Yeah, this, uh, and I think sometimes salespeople don't always get this because uh, last week I was at this conference which was specifically about uh, social media for the financial services, right? 
And who was at the conference? It was all compliance people. It was marketing people. And there were a bunch of consultants also uh, trying to learn more about the space. And some of them actually looking for clients, you know. But there were no business development people whatsoever. No salespeople there. Uh, so it's, it's kind of... It's kind of a, they, they should be the, the people who are most affected by this because, I mean, their, their job description is rapidly changing, uh, i.e. They're, they're gonna, it goes from being an originator to a converter, and I think you know, that game is entirely different, isn't it? The skill set is entirely different. You can't just, you know, you have the, the, the relationship people used to be the originators uh, are going to have to transform themselves into somebody who actually has execution skills to make sure that a lead turns into a, a business, a piece of business, right? Well, ne well negotiated, well serviced, and so on and so on, right? Yeah, that originator concept that you mentioned is an interesting one. You see, we, we now split what, what we used to call the direct sales role into two functions, mm. lead gathering and relationship building. Mm. Now, relationship building is what you do, it's like investor relations, it's what you do with your current clients, your former clients, people who know you, your friends and family, uh, people who come in from the world outside, people you can sell to. So that's great. Relationship gathering is something we always, sorry, relationship building is something we always do. Hmm. The cold direct sales, we now say should be supplanted as far as possible by a lead gathering program. Hmm. And what we mean by that is sure, we, we know who some of the big buyers are who will always be interested in hearing from a new manager. I mean, that they're reasonably well known in the market. So you can go out and call them and offer to meet them. That's part of lead gathering. But the important thing in lead gathering for the future is to generate inbound traffic. It's to talk to people and to put information out on the web and through RFPs and databases, places that people look to find out about investment, to find solutions for investment problems. It's putting your material there and making making people understand that you are an interesting player, that you've got something to offer them. If you do that, they are much more willing to come to you or to respond to any call of yours or any um, invitation of yours than they previously would be. Mm. And that's the piece that people are missing because their KPIs and their contracts are forcing them to organize meetings as quickly as possible. Mm. They're actually missing the opportunity to gather leads. And there's this, well, I guess the, the, that scheme where you pay for meetings is just another symptom of the desperation of, of many salespeople. And when people start acting desperate, they do stupid things like send out uh, in the spam emails like you just mentioned, um, only wind, making sure that the company winds up in the spam box. Uh, I know, it's, 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 this is an enormous topic, you know. This is enormous and it's... Um... It's an interesting one. I mean, sim yeah, simply raising the issue of who pays for meetings, um, it, uh, it, it, it opens your eyes to a lot of other issues that are going on, a lot of, lot of other things that are going on. Mm. And it opens you to a lot of potential opportunities which many managers are missing because of their focus on direct sales. Um, I hesitate to use words like this because if you look at membership of organisations like Ainsley, there are a great, uh, there are a large number of women involved. There's not a, uh, there's not a gender issue here, mm. but sales is quite a macho activity. Mm. Um, going out, winning, hunting for business, winning it is 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 it has macho overtones, mm. and therefore the direct salesman as the business winner. Is, is a very attractive thing to be and to talk about. 
um, people don't like the idea that this concept could be working a lot less than it was working a lot less effectively than it was before and becoming more expensive. Mm. Um, okay. Well, it seems like uh, it seems like uh, you've come up with a way to um, to add value here. So the content plus the effective uh, uh, sales process management. It's, it's interesting. William, tell us where we can find you uh, so listeners can uh, maybe subscribe to your blog, which I recommend because it's really well written and it has all these amazing thoughts like this one today we're discussing. So where can people find you? Well, we're, we're, we're very happy to um, practice what we preach as far as possible. We try to put our thoughts out now on the blog regularly. Mm. Uh, you can find us on LinkedIn and on our website is asset-dynamics.co.uk. So everyone who wants to, most welcome to, uh, to read our thoughts on that. And if anyone wants to contact us, we're always happy to have a chat and have a coffee. Great. No, and I recommend signing up for, for William's list. It's, it's good stuff. William, thanks very much. Baldwin, thanks. It's a pleasure. There goes another BD Insider podcast. I hope you enjoyed it and found it interesting. If you want more of this, have a look at www.bd-insider.com. That's our website. You can see all the previous podcasts. Sign up for our list. That's where we can keep you updated on all those great ideas and insights. Hope to see you back soon. Bye for now.